Last week, we spoke about how the Adelie penguin was named after Adele, the wife of the Antarctic explorer from France, Jules Dumont d'Urville. I hope you all listened to uh, that podcast because we thought it was rather fun. So we hope that you will listen to it too. You can still find it on Call-In or on um, Apple Podcast, or you can find it on Spotify. And we don't know how Adele really took that honor. Maybe she was flattered because Adele penguins are rather charming creatures, but uh, she might as well have been rather upset to be compared to the short and stubby flightless uh, black and white bird. And as you may remember, uh, I believe uh, the mother of Jules Dumont d'Urville was uh, kind of a horrible person. That seems to be one of the few things that historians in the world agree upon. Whereas Adele, or Adelie, as she was also known, was a rather nice person. So maybe she took it quite nicely. Well, this week uh, we have news that biologists have named a new species of multipede after the American singer Taylor Swift. It's a brownish and orange uh, multipede with lots of legs, as multipede uh, used to do. And uh, this one is now called a Nanaria Swiftae. So they <laughs> Latinized Taylor Swift's name. Um, so you could translate that something like a Swift Twisted Claw Multipede. Poor millipede, Taylor. yeah. <laughs> millipede, millipede. Millipede, yeah. Yeah, of course. I'm not a native speaker. I'm just doing my best here. <laughs> and uh, we call them thousand pote in Dutch. Thousand is like a thousand. A thousand, all right. And, Poat is a uh, a lag, so a, a thousand lag. Yeah, yeah, Actually, yeah. quite recently, they found the very first uh, millipede in the world that uh, actually has more than a thousand feet, because a normal millipede has about forty, which is still quite impressive, like thirty-eight more than we do. Um, but there is now a species found that actually has more than a thousand feet, which is amazing, and it must be quite an a lot of work to coordinate all that when you're stepping, I suppose. Some people already stumble <laughs> on two legs. Especially after so, a few drinks. Yeah. <laughs> especially. So I don't know if they tested what happened to a drunk millipede. So there's this guy called uh, Derek Hannon, who is the scientist who discovered the millipede in Tennessee, uh, which already brings you to a link to Taylor Swift, of course, for those that are fans of her. I'm, I'm kind of a fan, I would say. I, th I think she's she's really great. And um, uh, so he uh, discovered in the southeast of Tennessee, uh, or in the southeast of the US where Tennessee is, he found uh, this new millipede. And he wrote on Twitter, he said, I'm a big fan of her music, so I wanted to show my appreciation by naming this new species from Tennessee after her. It's a high honor. <laughs> and uh, because Swift moved to Tennessee as a teenager, if I remember correctly, when she was 14, she was just saying to her parents all the time, I want to go to Tennessee because I want to make a career as a singer. And she managed as a young girl, she was either 11 or 14, if I remember the story correctly. And she was as a really young girl convincing her parents that the whole family <clears throat> had to move to, uh, to Nashville so wow. that she could launch her music career, which was... Uh, from any way you look at it, a fantastic investment in the family fortunes that they actually listen to her. So always <laughs> listen to the young people, which is one of the recurring themes in this broadcast when we talk about climate change and other issues. So I can't find Taylor's reaction, but still, you know, after winning so many awards and writing like 200 songs, 
Um, this must even for Taylor be a, a novel accolade. So millipedes, uh, they they don't move very fast. So I, I, I'm not sure why Swift uh, is 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 a, if that really applies for millipedes as well. But maybe in this case. So this guy Hannon uh, also named another millipede um, after his wife uh, Marianne. So this is now called a Nanaria Marianne. And he said, this is my way of showing her my love and support, which I think is rather romantic. And uh, she helped him uh, on many of his field trips. So it's only fair that he did so. And uh, her reaction is not known either. So that is maybe something for next broadcast that we should contact both Taylor as well as Marianne, Marianne on, on the Latin way of spelling, uh, as she will someday uh, undoubtedly become famous since she has a... Uh, uh, millipede named after her. <laughs> what an honor. Yes, yes. <laughs> I see these, um, these two were going around looking through the debris and the forest together in the Appalachians and digging up these millipedes. So she's, she's clearly gone along with a lot of stuff digging around in the undergrowth. Uh, I think on balance, I'd be, I'd rather have a penguin named after me than a creepy crawly. Not sure. Yeah, same here. On balance, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, or maybe a nice, a bee or something that might do it. I don't know. Let's see. Yeah. But so anyway, we looked at, we're learning about millipedes through this story. So that they're pretty harmless to humans. Uh, they're normally a, up to a few centimeters long, perhaps. Uh, but they can fend off attacks with poison. So they're arthropods, which is a group of animals that include spiders, lobsters, insects, crabs, and mites. Uh, and Hennon and his colleagues found 17 new species of millipedes in their searches uh, up in the forest and, and say there are now 539 known species of millipedes there. Uh, they write that they've got these bold hues of yellow, orange, and red that are paired with black they're by advertising their toxic chemical defenses. These things squirt out hydrogen cyanide and benzaldehyde, it which um, sounds like chemical warfare. Pretty nasty. I mean, if, if <laughs> chemical warfare, if, if, you, if you, yes, I know, naming, naming your friend or your wife after one of these things sounds pretty, <laughs> pretty grim. <laughs> yeah. Backhanded compliment, doesn't it? Yeah. So the millipedes live in undergrowth and eat sort of decomposing plants and wood. Um, I looked it up in the name, uh, millie, of course, for thousand of ped, as you were saying, for feet is, of course, misleading. As you said, there's, there's only one millipede that lives, that, is, that isn't a lie. Um, it has this astonishing 1,306 legs um, and was found in Australia deep underground a couple of years ago. Uh, one report I saw described it as a tangled strand of mobile pasta. It's like a huge piece of spaghetti digging through the ground. I have no idea, as you say, how the, how on earth do you coordinate so many? You've got a tiny brain, and how do you get them all, all these legs to work in, in, in sync, you know, and, uh, to just plod through, the, dig through the ground? I don't know how a piece of pasta digs its way through the ground either. And it apparently eats on fungi, you know, spores deep underground. So, and even that one, uh, which is called, I'm not sure how you pronounce this, but Eumilipides uh, Persephone, uh, is also effectively named after a woman. Persephone was the goddess of the underground, the wife of Hades in Greek mythology. <laughs> there you go. 
I, I love all this naming of of, of insects, etc. And it's uh, and they they find so many new species. There was a recently there was this expedition to um, they went to Laos and Cambodia, and and there were some biologists doing research, and they came back they had found something like two hundred fifty new species of all kinds of animals, mostly insects, in in just a couple of weeks. So there's just so much out there, and. And what you say about the the coordination of of all that feet, etc. It's it just uh, when I when I think about these things or read about these things, I'm just fascinated by by the beauty of nature. And and it's um, uh, we should be careful and 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 try not to not to kill them and and preserve it because this diversity is such a, a beautiful thing on on this planet. And um, yeah, so I looked into the the difference between the centipedes and the millipedes, and it's not just that uh, centipedes have fewer legs because cent is obviously a hundred, whereas a milli stands for a thousand, but both creatures have segmented bodies, like tiny bits of, of body armor, but each segment on the centipede has a pair of legs, while millipedes have two pairs of legs for each segment. So these are... Okay, this you didn't learn at high school or anywhere else. If you want to know these things, you have to listen to this podcast. So for tonight at dinner, when you're talking to your loved ones, you look for um, uh, a subject of conversation. You can ask the difference. And if you miss the answer, so each segment of the centipede has a pair of legs, whereas each segment of a millipede has two pairs of legs. Okay, this is something to... Uh, if you ever do a pub quiz, uh, you can use this one. Vital knowledge, yeah. Uh, vital knowledge, <laughs> vital knowledge. So, guys, listen to this podcast. You'll you'll learn so much. So, these millipedes are scavengers. They are eating decaying wood. The centipedes, uh, they like to eat insects, and they also have a venomous bite. So, this is quite a difference between the centipedes and the millipedes. So, you can ask uh, three different. Uh, questions now about the differences between millipedes and uh, centipedes and you got a lot of stuff for your next pub quiz so uh, this all shows that scientists who named the millipede after taylor swift they, they did a brilliant job in educating it as all because if he used some some technical latin name uh, no one would have heard about his discovery so i think it's good for for publication and, uh, but now millions of people in the world, they, they've learned a little bit about millipedes. And that includes you that is listening today. So you never know. People who don't like bugs or are scared of them, they might just change their minds once they know a little bit more about uh, about bugs and about about insects. So the next time these people see a millipede, they might say, wow, you know, maybe that's the Taylor Swift one. And yeah, so that's that's uh, that's a positive thing, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> also, I think another tiny difference between these two things is that um, millipedes, if you disturb them, roll up into little, they sort of roll up into themselves, yeah. twirl up into themselves, whereas um, a, 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 a centipede is more likely to try and attack you. It's, okay. it's, it'll run away, perhaps. Yeah. So again, if you if you run out of questions in your pub quiz, this <laughs> so is difference number one. four. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't have that. The number of lakhs. So there's five differences <laughs> by now. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, 
So yeah, I mean, this is a wonderful education, isn't it? We would, I would never have learned about the differences, these pub quiz differences, without um, this guy having named um, um, the, the, this millipede after Taylor Swift and getting stories on CNN and all around the world uh, about this this thing. So maybe you know, in the future, this is an idea we've we've got, which is that we could help conservation around the world by giving nasty creatures more attractive names. You know, um, a lot of people just sort of swat wasps and mosquitoes and don't like them because they, you know, they're wasps and mosquitoes and they don't like them. But, you know, maybe if you name them after somebody you admire, it would, would change the dynamics here. You know, th would would you squash a wasp called Scarlett Johansson? Um, no, would you, you know, or, a, or the Robert Downey spider? You know, with these things. <laughs> You might you might hesitate a little bit at least to say oh, maybe that's the you know maybe that's the uh, Taylor Swift uh, millipede. Yeah, and yeah but some escape. people hate Taylor Swift, so that might also become a kind oh, of dangerous, yeah, dangerous indeed, thing for indeed, the millipede. Yeah, yeah. But it, it could be you know renaming some of these creatures could be a way of um, caring for the planet and the amazing diversity of life that we talk about on this um, podcast. And of course, you know, words themselves shape the way we think about uh, creatures. Um, in English, uh, we have the word dragonfly for, I don't know what it is in yeah. Dutch. Uh, I don't know what we call them in Dutch. I have no idea. Yeah, I know so, them as dragonflies. Yeah. yeah, wonderful sort of iridescent wings on these creatures and their long, thin uh, bodies flying around and hovering and beautiful creatures, sort of enchanting yeah. Uh, yeah. creatures, I find them. But, um, but I, I live in Norway um, where these same insects are called eienstikkerd. Uh, which trans in Norwegian, which translates as eye jabbers, eye stabbers. Ah, so, yuck. So, that, you know, horrible. a lot of people are scared of them. My wife tells me that, you know, she when she saw one of these things coming, she she put her fingers over her face to protect herself because of the fear that they have from this name that it's going to come and fly and sort of reverse into your eye, I suppose, at great speed and <laughs> maybe hurt oh you. God. So, yeah. you know, maybe we should... Um, Think of renaming that, at least yeah. in Norwegian. We have, for instance, earworms, uh, which is a, a, a small little insect. It has at at the end of its tail, it has some sort. Of, it looks a bit like a croissant, like a, like a half moon, but uh, or like an ear. It's not that these worms have any um, uh, special appetite to crawl into your ear, but just the name that they're called earworms makes that people kill them. Whereas Let's say uh, ladybugs, which is a nice name, are in the in Dutch called um, liefhe heerspecies. So uh, it means uh, liefhe heer could be dear lord. So it's it's the little animal of of God. Or huh. uh, but it also has liefhe means like lovely. So it's it's um, so so it's it's either sounds like godlike or it sounds like that is very dear. Uh, and ladybugs look nice, so people are really nice towards them, at least when they're grown up, because if they're in their earlier stage, they look rather horrible. I had, last summer, one was crawling over me, and I took a picture of it, and then I analyzed it with an app to find out what animal it was. And only then I realized that this is an earlier phase of a ladybird, uh, which doesn't look any attractive at all. So probably people are smashing them until they grow up and become beautiful. So it's it's uh, it could be a Hans Christian Andersen <laughs> tale actually, and um, but lots <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> of lots of um, uh, animals are uh, lots of insects I should name are are named after famous people and we do that for years already. 
So there's this one kind of uh, revolutionary insect, which is uh, named after Che Guevara. So it's the Che Guevara Montana, uh, <laughs> which which is probably the most revolutionary insect ever. So it's 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 very rare, and it lives in in Puerto Rico, and um, so it's it's. Uh, uh, yeah, so so there was this this guy who who named it. He said it was very difficult not to notice that Che Guevara was very popular among uh, the islanders of all walks of life of Puerto Rico, uh, and he's still, of course, this kind of uh, student pinup. Uh, I think it's only yeah. for the people like me that actually read his diary and his uh, his writings, like one Vietnam, two Vietnam, many Vietnams. That you realize if you read critically that apart from the romantic hero, he was actually he was he was out for power and he was he was he was he was quite brutal as well. And uh, and I think another aspect that people don't know is that sometimes he flew back to Argentina, Ar- Argentine. How do you say that in English? And then Argentina, had luxury yeah. holidays on on, oh, really? on the side of the swimming pool. I once uh, spoke mm. to a guy who knew the family. And then he flew back into a revolutionary life. So it's uh, there, there's quite a few aspects to Che Guevara, but still fascinating reading. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. And then there's um, yeah, there's another one which is uh, which is which is amazing. There's this um, this bug. If you see it, it looks really muscular. It's a bit like like Popeye, but this one is called after Arnold Schwarzenegger. So this is called the Agra Schwarzeneggeri, um, which uh, lives in Costa Rica. And uh, it really looks like the Terminator. And so <laughs> you, you guys have to have to look this up. Uh, it's, it's, it's really, really a remarkable um, animal. I'll, I'll see if I can, maybe I can, I can post one on, on Twitter or something, but it's, uh, it's worth looking at it. And um, yeah, what else do we have, Alistair? There, there must be more. Well, I hope. Yeah, well, I hope. I mean, I hope that you know we hear about insects being in trouble in the world, but uh, you know, this particular one, you come across this particular one, and you'll say, "I'll be back," right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there's um, this other one. I think. Uh, well, you go ahead. Yeah. Oh well, I had one more. Yeah, that's right. I had. Yeah. <laughs> Kate Winslet. She is also uh, honored uh, to, um, uh, to 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 uh, to 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 be named after an an animal. Oh, I see we have uh, somebody that wants to comment. Let's let's take a caller and then we have a few more names for you. Yeah. Hi there. I see you only as TJ, but you have to unmute yourself. Yeah. Good afternoon, fellas. It's a interesting topic. It's definitely a big concern of mine too. I think specifically with the bee population. I've heard a, a variety of different reasons for that. I know that there's uh, chemicals for insecticides and herbicides and fungicides. Um, even some of the uh, fertilizer products, I think, make an impact too. But then there's also electromagnetic energy that's also impacting them and almost puts them in a state of confusion and stuff too. So um, I, I guess we'd love to hear your perspectives on it. And if you've heard any of that info as well, and then as to whether or not that's accurate. Yeah, well, um, it's it's certainly accurate that we we will probably go later in this uh, in this um, uh, in this podcast uh, towards uh, the the dramatic extinction of of uh, insects, but certainly the bee populations is really really deeply worrying because uh, well, first of all, we need bees because of 
um, uh, the, the, the fertilization that they do. So uh, about, I don't know what percentage, but let's say roughly about half of all the, all the fruit that we are eating is uh, only possible after they've been pollinated uh, by bees and bees are really in a in a dramatic decline worldwide and it uh, seems to be it's it's a, still a bit of a mystery to find out what are the real reasons uh, for this but it's it, from what scientists now know or or let's say it better from what I know that scientists know by now it is definitely a combination of uh, of issues and the main one uh, seems to be uh, the use of uh, all kinds of uh, fertilizers especially the um, yeah, neo uh, yeah, yeah right. i can never pronounce yeah, that no, word yeah, 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 uh, yeah. the neo what do you call them it's the same they have like in the cigarettes or something isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and and that seems to have a, a dramatic impact uh, on their lives but it's a combination of other things it's as you say it is also fertilizers it is climate change it is also the monocultures in uh, in agriculture, um, all of these factors play a role. I'm not sure about um, electronic waves or whatever, but I I won't exclude that that plays a role as well. Yeah, um, actually, I was just looking it up here. Actually, yeah. there's a, there's a, an article in Nature. You're right, TJ, there about um, um, extremely low frequency electromagnetic field impair the cognitive and motor abilities of honeybees. So power lines can disrupt somehow um you know their 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 foraging ability um so so yeah you know it's like alex was saying i've read studies also that say it's not there's not just kind of one silver bullet that is that could save bees but it's a whole load of stresses isn't it it's like as you say the the, the insecticides and everything and the disruption of habitats and so on but but yeah it does seem like um that you know power lines may be contributing this too yeah. yeah, it seems to be a tough state because it, you could say, well, we could use different type of herbicides and fungicides or, you know, localize our approach. So it's just contained to a specific area that, that would significantly help and be a potential solution. But the fact that vast majorities of our land now are covered by 3G, 4G and 5G electromagnetic technologies, it doesn't seem like there's any escape now for the bee population. Yeah, personally, I wonder if that is the main reason. Uh, but yeah, I mean, sure, all all aspects should, of course, be be researched and and found out. So I'm, I'm, I can imagine that, let's say, a power line has a, a much more stronger force than something like 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 five G or so. But I'm not at all an expert here. Um, yeah. But let's at least uh, tackle uh, the, the 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 main thing which is these uh, neo cortonocytes whatever the word that i can ever pronounce um and and because of that one we know for certain how 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 bad it is and and yeah and continue research on on other things and it's um uh, and it's by the way it's not it's not only the bees that are suffering the bees get get a lot of attention um and it's it, and then people often focus on the honeybees which is um al although dramatic as well but it's just one of the like i don't know like a thousand species of bees that 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 there are and honeybees are actually um you should see them as as kind of domesticated animals i mean it's they're they're like cows or or, or sheep or something that that we keep because 
we need something of them. Uh, all the other bee species are not like that. And but all those other bee species do play a role in in the fertilizations. All of them are important, and so are all all insects. I think we were planning to come back in in this podcast later to this. We still yeah. had a few of those names of of uh, of, uh, of 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 uh, famous um, insects that we wanted to share. So we'll we'll come back to this uh, issue later. Thanks so much for uh, for joining. Great, thank you, well. Thanks. And um, so we were, did I mention Kate Winslet? I think that that, that was one I wanted to mention. And um, uh, she is, uh, I hope she's not dying out, um, at least not her, uh, not her insect either. So uh, the the official and brilliant explanation behind the name of of this beetle uh, is written down as the following. And I quote here, it says, her titanic character did not go down with the ship, but we will not be able to say the same for this <laughs> elegant canopy species if all the rainforest is converted to pasture. So it gave this name uh, uh, probably to raise attention uh, for the beetle itself, but um, uh, also to raise attention for the dramatic decline of um uh, of insects that that we were we were just uh, just talking about so yeah, yeah so that's uh, and i know that you had a, you had found a few too yes <laughs> there are there are a lot of beetles around i think darwin has once said that uh, god the creator seemed to have had an inordinate fondness for beetles there were so many in his garden I, i've got a feeling that his children were even named as co-authors on a paper he wrote because he they helped him find dig up some beetles in the back in his garden in southeast England. <laughs> but there are around four hundred thousand known species of beetle, and new specimens are being found every year. Um, so as this huge insect group grows, it seems entomologists have been competing to choose the most unexpected celebrities to name them after. So we have Darwinilus sedarisi, which is Charles Darwin David Sedaris. So this Argentinian beetle is so rare that it got named twice. The first name comes from Charles Darwin, who collected the first specimen in 1832. And the second is in honor of Radio Radio 4 favorite David Sedarius as an appreciation for his fascination with the natural world. So it's a pretty, wow. that's not bad either, is it? And then, as you've said, we've got one again. I can't, can't, I'm not sure I can pronounce this, but it's, Hydroscapha redfordi, which is named after Robert Redford, the actor. So the beetle earned its name from you know Robert Redford, director, campaigner, environmental campaigner, and actor. Um, the 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 guy who discovered it, James B. Johnson, the entomologist who found the species, explained explained it by saying, "Is Redford's continuing work to safe." the wild legacy of the Rocky Mountains that makes this name a fitting tribute to be to have a beetle named after him. So that's not bad. And then we've got um, one named after David Attenborough, the Trigonopterus Attenborughi. Attenborughi, yeah, I guess. This is a, a species of flightless weevil which is found on Mount Bawang in the Indonesian province of West Kalimantan. Now, David Attenborough's, well, he's 95, I think, isn't he? he was, he's also had a ghost shrimp, a pygmy locust, a goblin spider, a rat-eating plant, and even a dinosaur named after him. 
the Attenborosaurus Connie Berry. I was wow. seeing how to today David Attenborough was um, named as a um, a hero, a champion of the earth by the UN Environment Programme today. Um, and in his um, accepting this award, he was um, he was talking about how you know fifty years ago whales were on the very edge of extinction, and then people got together, and now there are more whales in the sea than any living human being has ever seen. You know, whale populations are recovering. So, you know, while a lot of these bugs, beetles are being squashed underfoot or just not being able to survive as um, we take over the planet, um, the whales at least are, are making a, a bit of a comeback. Yeah, so there <laughs> are positive stories which which I always like, which is typically <clears throat> David Attenborough with his fascination for nature and, and his uh, unique capability of uh sharing that enthusiasm with other people and, and 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 making them aware of the beauty of the planet so i think that is uh he, he's an amazing man and it's 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 amazing how he keeps uh keeps uh keeps working on this i have one last one that i wanted to mention uh <laughs> which is the uh anafsalathmoth uh, uh hitlery and the second word <laughs> you probably recognize much better it's this is a species that was uh, named uh, in 1937 after Adolf Hitler by a German uh, collector, Oskar Scheibel, who was clearly a big fan of uh, the dictator, uh, which he already was in 1937, of course, but his, his worst acts would only follow in the years to come. But he was already pretty bad in those days. You didn't have to be... A political scientist to recognize him as a brutal dictator um, uh, the concentration camps were already uh, functioning and um, so this name can be translated as the eyeless one of Hitler uh, which uh, has sadly resulted for this this uh, this poor little insect that is completely innocent of uh, the act of being named after this dictator that um, there are now still, it's hard to imagine, but there are still people that are fans of Adolf Hitler and they collect Hitler memorabilia. And in the true uh, spirit of the dictator himself, uh, this species is now nearly wiped out. And uh, th because they, they, they collect these uh, bugs uh, with the name of, of Hitler. So this is now an officially threatened species um, and yeah that is uh, that is something that is probably dear to the heart of Hitler but not to anybody else in the world so uh, there is now a serious campaign of proposing to change the name of this bug uh, for uh, for this reason that uh, that yeah, they fear that uh, what will happen to this bug is uh, is exactly what uh, what Hitler wanted um, uh, to to happen to uh, to some groups of people. So um, uh, that is that is a, a really weird story. There's actually a few more um, uh, uh, bugs and, and insects uh, that are named after people that we are not so happy about anymore. And there's there's this uh, campaign of some scientists that say we we really have to be able to change names. And other people say no, you shouldn't do that because it has all kinds of consequences for classification and 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 etc. So yeah, I wonder how um, I wonder how Hitler greeted being named after a blind Slovenian cave beetle. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I I wonder. Well, maybe, to... <laughs> yeah, maybe this this uh, this professor himself ended also up in a camp for doing so. I don't know. It's <laughs> yes. um, it's the story doesn't say. But um, yeah, there's now a, a new study, and then coming coming back to what uh, what uh, TJ, who has already left, um, was uh, was 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 raising about uh, how climate change and habitat loss uh, from 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 big agriculture is um, are combining forces between climate change and big agriculture to drastically reduce the global insect population and and. Um, <clears throat> so each problem is making the other problem worse. And that is uh, another study in the many studies that you that you see published in quite recently, in the past few years, which focuses on these compounding risks. And it's it's typically a theme that often comes back in, in our podcast that uh, we're not dealing just with one huge problem in the world. We're not dealing with just a set of massive problems that we're dealing with. We are dealing with a set of massive uh, existential problems that are reinforcing each other. And this is another example of these kind of studies where climate change and habit loss, habitat loss of, of big agriculture are combining to, to drastically reduce uh, the global insect population. So while Insects may, may, may bug people uh, at times. They, they are also key in, in pollinating plants to feed uh, people and to make soil more fertile. And uh, they also include beautiful butterflies and, and, and fireflies. And I, I regret noticing in my lifetime uh, how, how much of that beauty we have already lost and how much of that abundance we have lost. So scientists have now noticed a dramatic drop in the total bug numbers, but also in the diversity of insect species. And uh, as, as AP wrote today, they, they are calling it a slow motion death by a thousand cuts. And these cuts include aspects like uh, pesticides and like light pollution, but um, single crop agriculture that leaves less habitat and, and leafy food for bugs um, combined with the higher temperatures from climate change are huge problems for insects. And, and a new study in, in the Journal of Nature on Wednesday um, based on, on more than 750,000 samples of 18,000 different species of insects, the new study says that is not just those two threats acting on their own, it is how habitat loss and climate change interact. And that is really, this interaction is what really smashes these uh, bug populations. Yeah, it was an interesting story that AP wrote there. Um, Seth Borenstein, who wrote the story, I know, I've known for many years as an environment correspondent. We used to hang out. We hung out at a lot of uh, international meetings together. But yeah, this this is a worrying study, isn't it? It says, finds that climate change and intensive agricultural land together have already been responsible for a 49% reduction in the numbers of insects in the most vulnerable parts of the world. And they found that, you know, climate change and habitat loss from agriculture magnifying each other um you know the, the, the in in more than a quarter of the cases of biodiversity loss meaning that fewer species the same dynamic was at work um one of the lead authors um one of the authors charlotte athwaite at the university at the university college of london um 
said that, you know, we know that insects are under threat. We're now getting a much bigger handle on what they are threatened by and how much. So we're, you know, people talk about insect Armageddon, don't they? The, 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 the insects are dying out sort of all around the planet. And, you know, in this case, she says, you know, the habitat loss and climate change can often be worse than if they're acting on their own, as one can make the impact of the other worse and vice versa, she says. You know, um, so you, you just you just have to take everything together, not just one part of the one part of the story. You know, she said, by example, for an example, she says that monocultural agriculture can often reduce tree shading, making it hotter in a given spot. Then on top of that comes climate change, making the planet warmer. Then the insects that need heat relief from the shade or need to move north for cooler climates can run into problems with a lack of proper habitat from large farms where they could otherwise escape. So, you know, this is especially a problem in countries like Indonesia and Brazil where forests are being cleared and temperatures are heating up higher than other parts of the globe, she said. So that's hard on insects, you know, especially like the the midge. Um, cocoa is pollinated primarily by midges. And, of course, people don't like midges. Um, you know they're the annoying ones that bite you. They pest you at picnics. But if you like chocolate, you should appreciate them because out, without them, we'd have a lot, lot less cocoa, she says. It's, all of this stuff is very much interconnected, isn't it? We can't... Yeah. We, we, you know, we, we should call these midges um, after some... Um, country music stars <laughs> <laughs> to make them more popular yes. yeah, actually quite a few of them end up in the chocolate so people that are um, uh, kind of allergic to chocolate and i i'm actually one of them when i eat chocolate i start sneezing uh, no. i still eat chocolate but i <laughs> i'm always aware that there's the risk that i might sneeze that is not because the the, the cacao that's in there but it's it's because of the the remnants of these uh these uh, these uh, pesky midgets that are actually yeah crumbled and 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 end up in the chocolate so it's um, which makes um, in, in a way you could say chocolate much less vegetarian than I would like it to be um, because there are some insects uh, left over there so um, I was just this morning I was worried about um, the sound of the leaf blowers that would disturb this um, this podcast. Uh, luckily, it started to rain heavily, so all those people with leaf blowers in the gardens have gone here now. But that is a true insect killer. The insects need uh, they 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 lay their eggs, etc., in these leaves in, in that that are left in the garden. And then, if like here in Ottawa, you have like a, a whole army of leaf blowers uh, that are in in this season. Uh, getting all the leaves out of the gardens and by doing so they're also killing millions and millions of insects um, so people should just leave their leaves on the lawn but mm. yeah of course lawn, a lawn is not nature anyway so if you if you if you realize it's not nature you might as well take the leaves uh, away as well but but we should um, uh, we should actually leave uh our our we should leave our leaves on the ground that is that is beautiful english um <laughs> and there's a lot more wrong about leaf blowers actually actually don't get me started on leaf blowers but one of the things <laughs> that they do is they create an absurd amount of greenhouse gases for the for the small amount of fossil fuels that are thrown in them because most of them work on on a motor and not on electricity 
they burn so inefficiently that they create way more uh, CO2 than, than a car does. I think half an hour with a leaf blower is is equal to something like driving your car from New York to California or so. I, I, I read those kind of comparisons. It is it is scary to, to, to know how bad they actually are. Um, so, yeah, and, and another thing I was thinking of on, on this dying out of insects is that I've mentioned several times in, in speeches, uh, and I remember a particular case where I was talking in, in Boulder, in Colorado, and I spoke to students that are, let's say, in their around 20 years old, uh, way younger than I am, and um, I told them that when I was as, as a child on holidays, that uh, when we stopped at a, at a gas station, that it was my task when my father was filling up the car, it was my task to, uh, to clean the windscreen and the headlights of, uh, of the box on the windshield for the simple reason that you just, you just couldn't, couldn't see the road anymore because it was just, there was, there were thousands of bugs on our windscreen and on everybody's windscreen. And nowadays, if you drive, I, I don't think I ever see a bug on the windscreen, but, but maybe once or twice a year. But we are just like thousands after just half a day of driving or one day driving when you needed to fill up, fill up your tank. And when I told this to these students in Boulder, they reacted with disbelief. They said, it can't be true. You're exaggerating. And I said, no, just ask anybody of my generation and they will tell you that story. And that is such a dramatic decline from thousands of bucks to basically to zero. And that shows you how 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 bad it is and it also shows something else that every generation um finds in their lifetimes that the environment is deteriorating in many ways so for instance that there's less bugs but everybody puts their um their 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 baseline at what they have experienced, let's say, in their high school days. So I talk about the number of bugs that I remember from my high school days, but maybe they were already going down. And that if I would have asked my father or grandfather, that they would have said there, that there were much more. So everybody creates uh, their their own um, uh, their 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 own new baseline. So um, with that. Um, I think that yes. uh, we should ask if there's questions, uh, which is, uh, and I have a question for you as well. When we do a podcast like this, uh, like you have on, on normally on the Mondays with Vanessa or, um, or like we, we do now with Alistair and me together every Thursday, um, do you as audience, do you want us to first do our bit of talking for let's say the first 40 minutes or so and then ask questions or should we take uh, callers that are um, that are just hopping in like uh, TJ did whom I'd never seen before in our show and he listened for a few minutes and then asked the question and then kind of gets us out of our story and I'm, I'm not really sure what what you guys prefer so maybe we should do a vote. You can clap. So um, option one, if you prefer that, is we first do our whole talk for 40 minutes and only then we open up for questions. If you believe that is the case, you should clap. Okay, that is one a clap. A few there, two. yeah. I see a few claps. I see more claps coming in. 
<laughs> and option two is that whenever somebody has a question, we just give them the floor. Is anybody clapping for number two? Okay, I think we're in agreement here. Not nope, so many. Nope, there's yeah. also, we're not in agreement. Okay, so we'll sometimes then uh, let somebody in. But I, I think I saw cl clearly more claps for the number one. The option number one, I think, was the more popular one, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, that's, that's um, a winner. Okay. So, and I see um, Evelyn actually has told us in the chat about Libelle in German. Is ah, the, the Libelle. The, the, the that's what we call them in Dutch as well. Dragonfly, yeah. I yeah. should know that. And you have them with like double wings as well. They're really beautiful and big. Yeah. And, um, and oh, she also says, she loves pointless knowledge. So, yeah, you're <laughs> okay, right. This was rather pointless today, <laughs> but we you enjoyed could, ourselves. You could, I hope you liked it too. You could try the pub quizzes, can't you? That, yeah. 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 I know that Evelyn does pub quizzes. She, she wrote about that. Um, <laughs> and um, how many species? Yeah, you said 400,000 bucks alone, only for bucks. That is amazing, for those numbers. Beetles, and probably it, think, they, yeah. they're, they're still counting, right? Yeah, I mean, I fully agree with you about that business about how, you know, we used to drive around as well and smashing the bugs on the windshield of the car as well. And I know that scientists drive around the countryside, don't they, with big nets above cars oh, yeah. um, to, to count the number. Of, and they've been doing it for in some places in Germany, I think, isn't it? Or maybe in, even in the Netherlands, people have been driving around for years doing this at the same time of year. Okay. along the same road to see how many bugs you catch. Of course, oh, yeah. there are lots of confounding factors as well because maybe there are more cars on the road. So, you know, <laughs> the bugs have already been smashed by the, the other cars. Uh, by uh, all those cars. Even, yeah, that Perhaps seems even the aerodynamics of cars are slightly different, right? So that bugs get swept up and off. Maybe, okay. you know, before you used to have a more vertical yeah. um, windshield, perhaps. That, and so maybe there's... Or maybe they've learnt. <laughs> <laughs> They're so clever. Well, we know how, how clever the millipede is. Um, yes. <laughs> combining those uh, 1,306 lags. So, uh, yes. yes. Evelyn, please join us. Hi. Um, I, I didn't mean that this was pointless. But, um, <laughs> I hoped you didn't mean that. <laughs> I think we got the point. Now I can sleep again tonight. I know you do. <laughs> anyway, no, I do love pub quizzes, and that's kind of the knowledge that you need. And um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Um, also, bats. I love bats, and there's fewer bats because there's fewer mosquitoes, whatever they eat. Um, so I've noticed that around here as well. Mm. Yeah, well, bats eat um, eat insects, of course. If there's less insects, you get you yep. get less bats. I think. Yeah. yeah. Repercussions all through the food chain. Yeah, aren't there? Goodness. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and then there's there's also a connection between Hitler and the VW Beetle. I thought that was interesting. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> the official launch of the very first uh, Beetle was actually there. There's pictures of it of the very first Beetle that still had uh, in the in the back uh, windscreen uh, that there were like two of them instead of just one. Uh, so that's how you recognize those really old ones. There's pictures that uh, Hitler was um, uh, was was there at the official launch of uh, of the first uh, beetle which was just like um the the autobahns the highways in germany uh, also plans from the previous government which were just 
later claimed uh, by Hitler, but it was already the whole the whole idea was already set up, uh, which is something that populists often do that they claim all kinds of successes by their predecessors. You don't have to look far in history or far away from where I live uh, to see that those things uh, still happen. It's uh, it's proved over and over again in history. So yeah, so that's another link between. Uh, between Hitler and um, and the Beetle, and um, yeah, Volkswagen yeah. is, by the way, also the company that has massively cheated in uh, measuring uh, the emissions of um, uh, of CO two that their car was uh, producing. It has been lying to the public for ages. So I will never ever in my life buy a Volkswagen. Uh, so that's a good statement. You can keep me on that for the rest of my life. <laughs> right, we'll do that. Yep. Okay. Thanks, you guys. This was really, really interesting, fun. Uh, thanks Great. so much. Thanks, thanks, thanks Thank for joining. You. We even added the penguin at the beginning there for you. <laughs> <laughs> Special request. Special request. Yeah. Okay. I, well, I think. Uh, yeah. Do we do we still have other stuff to share? We've been on for forty-five minutes or so by now. I guess we can come back to these other subjects next week, perhaps. Yeah, let's, think, yeah? Let's, uh, let's do so because uh, people have other things to do as well than to listen to us. But I, I really appreciate the, uh, the, the public that we, uh, that, that we have, the audience that always tries to make their agenda free to listen to us, uh, like Evelyn and Lizzie and Brigitte and Mira and Aida. And welcome, Justin, uh, for uh, joining us well, uh, especially for Justin. We have... Uh, two shows that are every week normally on the same uh, time and uh, that is on Monday uh, at 11 o'clock Eastern time. So let's say New York time, uh, there's a meeting with Vanessa Champion, which is more about individual actions on uh, greener living. That's the greener living podcast. And then every Thursday at the time that we started today, which is three o'clock Eastern time, uh, there is uh, this uh, podcast show uh, together with Alistair Doyle, uh, where we focus more on all kinds of, let's say, global issues. Is that the right way to describe what we are actually doing here? I think so. Taylor Swift, global Taylor issues. Swift. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for fans of Taylor Swift, uh, join, join here. I know that other people are listening as well. And I noticed recently that at the end of the podcast, I see the numbers of people listening, which is far more than I actually see on my screen. So the one, uh, the one of yesterday, I I saw like eight people or something, and then later I saw that we had forty uh, live listeners. So somehow the 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 two ways of counting are in the last few weeks not really the same anymore. I'll ask Charlie, who was listening in the beginning, because Charlie knows everything about Colin. He can probably explain this. Um, for this week, for your agendas, I haven't scheduled anything yet, but I plan to come back for uh, at least another two times. So just stay tuned. I always publish it on Twitter as well, or just stay tuned to the app and uh, see, as, as I said last time, there's this new calendar function uh, on your home screen. And then somewhere on the top right, there's a calendar, which is interesting to pick uh, other interesting shows to listen to as well. Um, I think that's it for now. Yeah. Anything else? Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. No, I've loved talking about our multi-legged um, friends <laughs> on this I th- podcast. I think, we should, I think we should do a pub quiz someday. What do you think? <laughs> Would people like idea. that? I don't see any clapping, so I don't think we should do a pub quiz. 
Uh, oh, I see some clubs uh, now. One or two. We we could. Yeah. How would we? What sort of prize would we award for that? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. The, pri the prize is. Uh, I don't know. They don't have to listen to us, maybe. But I think this pop quiz is actually. <laughs> pop quiz is probably a good idea. Yeah. But then, how do we? We have to work that out because how do we get the answers of the audience? Hmm. They'd have to put them in the. I don't um, know. Chat, yeah, I suppose, we need. To, okay, we need to. Because you can sneak off uh, other people. Yeah, seeing we, writing it. Yeah, we need to work out. Well, if anybody we'll has suggestions out. on how to do uh, a call-in pub quiz, uh, the we're we're very much uh, very much open to your ideas. Maybe we should combine it with something like Doodle or something, a website where people can. Uh, okay, we'll we'll yeah. we'll work on this. We'll work so on that. Yeah. Uh, stay tuned. Not next week, but uh, at a certain moment we. Uh, we will treat you with a pub quiz and we won't ask about millipedes because we have given all the answers already. <laughs> hey guys, this is getting too long. Right. I'll, I'll stop here. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful evening wherever you are. And we hope to see you back soon. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot, everyone. Bye.